Have you ever looked at someone thriving in their business and wondered, how did they do it? Have you ever thought that you can't have mental health and success? Have you doubted your own ability to create a financially thriving career that still has your well-being at the forefront? Well, welcome to the Boardroom Brain Podcast, where we tackle those very questions. I'm Dr. Lauren Cook, and I'm a clinical psychologist and speaker that takes you behind the business and inside the minds of today's most successful and personally thriving leaders. We're taking a look at our guests' secrets to success, how they bounce back when they've been knocked down, and what advice they have for you. Oh, and I've got another motive too. As a clinician and company consultant who frequently sees employees struggling mentally and knocking on the door of burnout, I'm invested in having conversations about how we can bring more wellness into company culture. I wanna make sure that everyone has the absolute best work experience that we all can have. And I believe that includes making sure our businesses are invested in their employees as people, not just as time card stampers and payroll lists. So get excited to listen, learn, and leverage your own leadership skills. These conversations will help you tap into your own bravery while helping you reprioritize your sense of well-being, both at work and when you're off the clock. So step inside the conference room with me and welcome to the boardroom. Your brain is about to get a major bonus. Hello, everyone. Welcome today to the Boardroom Brain Podcast. We are interviewing the incredible Ryan Armstrong. I want to go ahead and introduce our guest so you know exactly who we're talking to. Ryan is an intellectually curious leader. He's driven by passion and a desire to elevate others. He's worked with Fortune 500 companies to advance global enterprise-wide strategies and drive change management. His path has included diverse experiences across science, the arts, and business, and perhaps has been a bit unorthodox. However, he feels that it has given him a unique perspective that has helped him to be successful. He's a first-generation college student who started at a state school for his bachelor's degree, and he's since obtained an MBA at an Ivy League school and worked for one of the top consulting firms in the world. He says his core values are passion, resilience, and learning. He takes pride in being a passionate champion and thought leader for the organizations that he works for, and he thrives in highly connected and collaborative environments where he can develop others to build themselves and the business. He believes that the best leaders are those who motivate and inspire others. And Ryan, I'd include you in that list. My goodness, it is so good to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you've had quite an incredible career so far. I know our guests are going to be so excited to hear about your story. I'm, I'm curious to start us off. What would Ryan as a child have thought about where you are now? Interesting question. Um, so Ryan as a child, if he saw me today, might be a little confused and disappointed. When I was a kid, I wanted to have every job. I thought everything was interesting learning was super important. And so at one point I wanted to have a different job every day just so that I could experience different fields of work. But the one thing I was sure that I did not want to do was work in business, which I thought was (laughs) boring as a child. Um, And so it's funny now to see that I do work in business and actually really enjoy it. Uh, So I'm sure there's a lesson in there somewhere that, you know, we make plans and plans don't always tend to go the way that we expect them to. 
Yeah. And that's not always such a bad thing. I mean, you work at Ralph Lauren, which is one of the most well-regarded, well-known fashion companies in the world. Tell our listeners what that experience has been like. It's absolutely fantastic. I love my job. I tell everybody that this truly is like a dream job for me. I am working obviously for a company that has incredible heritage being around for over 50 years. I work in corporate strategy and business development, which gives me the opportunity to look across the full business in thinking about how we continue to carve a path toward the future. And I think generally in the business world, we're in a really interesting inflection point where everyone is thinking about how they change their business model. So for Ralph Lauren, that is figuring out how we continue to leverage the heritage of our past, but also create meaningful growth in the future in an environment that obviously is very different from what it was 50 years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So well said. And, you know, as we look at the new leaders coming up and people who are honestly just getting started, I think your story as a first generation college student to hear you graduate from an Ivy League with your MBA you know, for people getting started, it can feel like a really daunting process and they're not even sure where to begin. I mean, what advice would you have for someone listening today who's just getting started, may not have all the resources or know where to, to begin? Yeah, so I, I second that it is very daunting. And so the first advice I would have is be gracious with yourself and know that that feeling is absolutely understandable. Um, I felt the same things as I was as I was starting on my journey, which I can't believe is as many years ago as it is now. Um, I would say one thing to keep in mind is that because you, it, most people don't have all the answers. Probably no one has all of the answers. So know that you you aren't going to have a complete answer 100% of the time, and as a result, you're likely to make mistakes or decisions that, in hindsight, you might have done differently. But I don't think the point is that you made a mistake, but more about how you learn from and use that knowledge to choose a different route in the future. And so I would say one thing that has always kind of stuck in my mind is thinking about how do I learn from the decisions that I've made, whether they had a good or bad outcome, and how can I leverage people who do have experience and ask them the questions to help me be or make better decisions. I think knowing that you or assuming that you don't have the complete answer gives you the confidence to say, let me go find out somebody who does have the answer. And then let me ask them so that I can leverage those people who had the experience to come before me and hopefully help me be successful. Oh, you speak to such a good point. And I'd love to ask you more about that because something I'm really passionate about is helping people access mentorships in the work in the workplace more. We know that people do better at their work. They're more committed. They stay longer with their company when they have mentors in place. And yet I'm finding so many people, whether it's social anxiety or maybe social apathy, where we've really lost this ability, this desire sometimes to connect, especially cross-generationally. And I'd love to hear more about how you've been able to access mentorships and maybe any advice you have for people who are having a hard time. Maybe they're afraid to ask for help or they're worried to connect to a potential mentor. Yeah, it's a great point and a tough question, honestly, because mentorships are something that 
the most effective mentorships, I think, don't always come around from specifically looking for mentors, if that makes sense. It's harder to go up to somebody who's in a position that you want to be in and say, hey, do you want to be my mentor? Um, instead, I think it's about having a conversation, much like we're doing right now, right? And saying, let me learn a little bit about your experience. Obviously, you have to reach out and ask for that time. Um, and then understand if that relationship feels authentic and if you feel like there's more to dig into. And those kinds of mentorships are more likely to evolve organically. I've had mentors who have been uh, bosses in my former roles, which obviously creates more of a structural relationship. But I've also had mentors that haven't even worked with me before or been in my industry. Again, one of my core values is learning. And so I often find there's an opportunity to learn from just about anyone. <laughs> so if you ask questions and, and you key into those relationships that feel authentic and feel like there's more together, those mentorships are naturally going to evolve, I think. I think that's so well said. And I'm such a big advocate of anything from the five minute mentor to the five year mentor. Like, I love this piece you're talking about. We have something to learn from everybody. Sometimes it is going to be a long-term relationship. Sometimes it's going to be a great conversation over coffee, you know? And I think the key is being open to those conversations just happening organically and, and just asking, right? Like, what do you have to lose? If you send an email to someone I think I reached out to you randomly on LinkedIn and said, hey, would love to connect. You never know what's going to happen from it. And now we're having this great conversation. So hopefully for people listening in, it gives people that little boost of courage. Send that email, send that message. You never know what it might turn into, you know? It's so true. You know, what I love the, what do you have to lose, right? What's the worst that can happen? They say no, or don't respond. And that's okay. Then you ask somebody else. Yeah. And I would also say something that I have done is think, remind yourself that you are looking for a mentor and be willing to be a mentor for others. So it's a bit of pain at forward to say when somebody comes to you and they're looking for the same, give that out into the world. And hopefully that's going to come back to you as well. So beautifully said. Yeah. Don't just look for mentors, be a mentor, right? Yeah. Cause there's always somebody coming after you who's brave enough to reach out, help them out. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And, you know, sometimes we reach out for mentors when we are kind of hitting a roadblock. And I know one of your core values that you speak to is resilience. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share like any particular roadblocks you've experienced and kind of like what you were saying earlier, you know, it's not so much about if you make a mistake, cause we all are going to make them. It's what you do after the fact curious how you've maybe seen resilience play out for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I have had a number of times in my life where I haven't got the outcome that I wanted. And so it's required resilience in order to, to push forward. I did not get into the school that I wanted to for undergrad. I didn't get into Bain on my first try. And it was something that really kind of crushed me in the moment. Um, but Failure is a great teacher, right? It is an opportunity to learn. And I, you know, my parents instilled in me from a young age that when you get knocked off the horse, you get back on. Um, and truly, you're not learning from your failure unless you do get back on that horse. 
And so for me, it has always been important to have a little bit of uh, self-belief, I would say, that it's not that you can't, it's that you know something didn't go right or something didn't work out the way that it was supposed to. So you learn from that and you you get back on the horse and try again. It's important to, again, be kind to yourself and understand that there's an opportunity for you to, to invest in yourself and try again. And that resilience is something that has been so critical for me to be able to get where I am today because it has propelled me to continue to pursue bigger and better things. Mm, yeah, to, to get back on the horse. I love that. And I appreciate you being so open about your experiences where it hasn't worked out. You know, I think sometimes culturally from a society lens, I think we really have a culture of success and don't share when it hasn't worked out. But I think that can leave people feeling so isolated because inevitably we all have times where we get the rejection letter, you know, whatever it may be coming from, we all get it. And if we're not actually open about that, I think it can be really isolating for folks. And you start to feel like it's just me that's failing at life, you know? And yet here you are, you're an executive at Ralph Lauren, you're doing incredible work. You've had, quote, failure too, right? But it's reframing it and seeing it as maybe it even gave you fire to fight that much harder for what you want, you know? Absolutely. I had a friend who told me once, we have a habit of, uh, comparing our ex or our internal selves to others external selves so it's important to remember that although somebody might look perfect and polished and had no problems getting to where they are it is very likely that they had to go through a number of struggles themselves and quite honestly in the end some of those failures end up being the things that generate success I've often leaned on the fact that when I look back at my career, at moments where I felt like, wow, I really missed that, or, you know, I thought that I was going to do this, and now I'm doing something completely different. But had I not done that, I wouldn't have had the experiences or the thought process that would have led me to that future success. Oh, that's it right there. I hope everybody booksmarts that part of the conversation because that's that's it. And, you know, one thing we have to talk about, too, because we're both dancers. We grew up dancing. You had a career as a dancer. I'm always fascinated to hear from fellow dancers. How do you see dance and like the, the ethos of dance maybe play out even with the work you're doing now? Yeah, it's interesting, again, in hindsight, thinking about how the performing arts really enabled some skills that I needed for working in the corporate business world. Um, I think dance for me was an opportunity to build confidence and comfort with being uncomfortable. There's nothing more uncomfortable (laughs) than wearing a unitard on stage, dancing with people in front of a hundred strangers. (laughs) <laughs> so it it helps you become more comfortable with being in an environment with others. And I think performing arts in general is really a great avenue for this. A lot of people take improv classes or public speaking classes or dance or art. And it's a great way to help build the less tangible qualities that help make you an effective communicator or effective collaborator in, in the corporate office. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more with that, that vulnerability piece and 
getting comfortable being seen. I mean, the fancy therapy term we like to use is distress, distress tolerance, right? Of getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think dance really does that. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you see that play out actively even now in your work, which is really cool. And maybe that's a great reminder for folks who've never danced or done any kind of performing. It doesn't have to necessarily be a career that you do, but hey, yeah, go try an improv class. Try a stand-up class. To me, doing the idea of doing stand-up scares me to death. I don't know about you, Ryan, so maybe I'll stick to dance. But yeah, absolutely. Well, and let's switch gears here a little bit because, you know, part of my work and what I'm so passionate about is making sure our companies, you know, around the world are integrating wellness and mental health practices. I'm curious how you've seen this play out at Ralph Lauren and, and to hear more about your experience from that lens. Yeah, I feel like Ralph Lauren has been quite exemplary in this point. You know, I've reflected and I think prior to the pandemic, it was so easy to compartmentalize our lives, right? Some some companies would have said, you know, you leave your personal stuff at the door when you come to work. And it was much easier to say, I leave my personal stuff when I go to work and I leave my work stuff when I go home. Um, and the pandemic had a way of kind of forcing a crash between our personal <laughs> and professional lives that really made everyone uh, acknowledge the fact that we all have personal lives and have things that we're dealing with. So what I've seen at Ralph Lauren that has been really interesting and worked really well is what they call courageous conversations, where I believe it's once a month, we'll have an open forum. There are a few rules up front around psychological safety and then people can raise their hand and decide to talk about whatever is on their mind in front of hundreds of other people at the organization. And I feel some people come to talk about whatever is bothering, bothering them in their personal or professional lives. Some people come to show support for those people. And some people come just to know that they're not alone in dealing with what they're dealing with. And I think it's so powerful to have those moments where we're reminding each other that even when you are struggling with something or distracted by something or distressed by something, that you're not the only person that is facing those challenges and you have a network that you can reach into to support you. Wow, that is so cool. Like I have to say like, with all the companies I've worked with, I haven't heard of too many doing that, especially it sounds like with hundreds of people present, it sounds like people are, are really using this, that it's not just something of like, all right, here's this Zoom meeting. It sounds like people are really showing up and actually using it. Absolutely. I think Ralph Lauren as a company has created such a familial culture over the years that people feel encouraged even, not just comfortable, but encouraged to bring their full selves and be able to express those things to, to coworkers and colleagues, some of which they haven't even met before, right? It's just this understanding that that is the culture that we work in. Wow. That is, I think that's pretty groundbreaking, honestly. And especially to, you know, the fact that I hear so many people say, I'm scared to disclose because I'm worried there's going to be repercussions or I'm going to be judged to be at a place where it's actively encouraged. And it sounds like there isn't that feedback later down the line of, well, you shared this, you know, it sounds like it's, it's a really open, safe space, which is wow. Incredible to be a part of. 
just curious, you know, you are an incredible leader. You're doing amazing things, you know, in the fashion industry and beyond. I'm curious if you have any other insights for ways that you see more opportunities for wellness in the workplace. Yeah, so um, I think first and foremost, psychological safety is such an important aspect and finding ways to create that psychological safety, whether it's in work meetings or in forums like this, so that people start to feel that there is comfort and that it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way that I like to help people find wellness in small uh, acts is through simply vocalizing, right? Oftentimes you, you get a piece of work from your boss and, and you go away and you're like, okay, I have to finish this as quickly as possible and get it back to them. Sometimes simply asking, when do you need this by can create so much more personal well-being for you because it might actually be something that doesn't need to be turned around in the day. And that gives you an opportunity to take take stock of your own work and actually prioritize and, and time manage around that. So little acts of, of simply vocalizing where you need time or how much time do you have um, can help create personal wellness. Mm-hmm. The other piece is definitely, I think, um, s- signaling through your own behavior, right? One of the most powerful things a leader can do is help create the environment through their own actions people and organizations look to their leaders, no matter where they are, they don't have to be an executive, they could be a store manager, but they set the tone for how people expect the workplace to run and really are the culture carriers of the organization. So I think it's important to model that behavior, model vulnerability, model psychological safety so that others feel comfortable doing so. Mm, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that that top-down approach is really key. You know, I'm all for grassroots efforts, right? And the employees coming together and advocating for their needs. But I think it's transformative too when leaders are saying, yes, mental health matters. We want to know how you're doing. We want to create this as a space of well-being. That says so, so much. Um, and I, I can tell it sounds like it really makes a difference in how people show up at Ralph Lauren and, and honestly, probably who's drawn to work at the company too. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, well, let's talk about you. I mean, here you've had this incredible career. I'm sure it will only continue. I imagine people could be listening to our conversation and hearing your stories and and wondering, how does he do it? And if I were to get into that role, how would I do it? So I'm wondering how you implement well-being and wellness into your own life. What does it look like for you? Yeah, so uh, like many people, I am not perfect. (laughs) Um, And I'm probably not the greatest at being overly intentional about carving out wellness, but I do have some behaviors that I try to stick to for personal satisfaction, if you will. I go to the gym every day. It's a moment that allows me to start my day with something that isn't work. And also obviously generates endorphins, which help create a positive attitude, I'm told. And the second thing, which is perhaps more important, is giving myself permission to do at least one thing a day that is not for the purpose of self-development. I'm a big self-development person. I love skill building. I'm trying to polish up my language learning skills. I like reading, but I, I try to be intentional about having one thing a day 
where it doesn't have to be skill building. It could be watching a TV show and it doesn't have to be a documentary. It doesn't have to be something that is expanding my mind, but being gracious, coming back to an earlier point, being gracious with yourself and saying, I don't have to be hyper-productive every second of every day. Ryan, you are speaking to my soul there. <laughs> I feel that on a deep level, even sometimes for me reading fiction, right? It's like, there's not necessarily, uh, it, it's not like a self-help book necessarily, right? But like, you just enjoy it. My husband and I have a debate about this all the time because sometimes he'll play video games, right? And my little worker bee mind is like, this has no value, <laughs> you know? But he's, he'll say, it's just fun for me, right? And so- what a great reminder to just do something that's fun or you can kind of turn your brain off for a little while. There doesn't have to be a motive behind it or a learning value necessarily in it either. Absolutely. You have to give yourself rewards, right? At the end of the day, you won't, you won't have the wherewithal, but some people do, I suppose, but you won't have the wherewithal to actually go out and achieve success if you're not finding personal moments of satisfaction in the interim. Mm, mm. I think that point is going to really hit home, um, especially for people who have that drive to, you know, do and accomplish. Sometimes just allowing ourselves to be and relax is that is productive in itself. So I love that you bring up that point. Um, one quick question with the gym piece. Would you say working out in the morning, does that make a big difference for you versus working out at night? I feel like this is a, a debate I hear amongst many leaders. It's funny that you bring that up because I am also somebody who chases these morning routines of executives to say, mm, should I be doing something different? Should I be introducing something? I think it's about what works for you. For me, I have to work out in the morning because it's much harder for, cognitively harder for me to go to the gym in the evening. It also gives me a sense of life accomplishment, if you will, in the morning, mm -hmm. uh, before I even start my work day. So for me, that's what works. I wouldn't be prescriptive and say that you must work out in the morning to be <laughs> successful, or it's not going to work out. But I think thinking about what that means for you and how you build those habits into your day to make it personal and applicable for yourself, that's the most important part. Nice. All right. All right. Well, as someone who's not a morning workout person, maybe I'll start giving it a try and seeing how it goes. My last question for you, for you today, and it's maybe a, a big one. What do you hope your legacy will be when you look back, not just on your career, but Ryan is a person, Ryan is a human being. Ooh, heavy question. Uh, yeah. So I think for me, Leaders, true leaders, have always been people who can and do motivate and inspire others. It's not about uh, building your own success story for the sake of success, but finding ways to help others create success as well. So if I could pick my legacy, and I, I will be intentional about trying to make this a reality, I want to be remembered as somebody who was motivational and inspirational for others. And I will look for opportunities to lean into servant leadership to help others hopefully achieve what they hope to achieve. Mm. Well, I think you're, you're doing that being on the show here today. You know, it's, 
it's interesting, right? This podcast, we talk to different executives and leaders and a lot of people too busy to have a conversation like this. And the fact that you do the incredible work you do and you make the time to have a conversation like this to give back to others in this way, it, it says that to me that you're living out that legacy presently. So thank you. Yeah. Well, tell us if, if folks want to get in touch with you or learn more about the work that they do, or excuse me, the work that you do, is there a way that people can, can find you and learn more about your story? Absolutely. Easiest place is going to be LinkedIn. Uh, and you can find me at Ryan S. Armstrong on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Well, Ryan, this has been a gift. What a great way to start the day to have this conversation. I'm so glad our paths have crossed and just truly appreciate the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was great talking with you. Take good care. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of the Boardroom Brain Podcast. Let's cultivate those networking skills starting today. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from listening and leave a comment and review to let me know what you think. Subscribe to get all the latest episodes and don't hesitate to tell me who you'd love to hear on the podcast. Don't forget that you're always welcome to watch the YouTube version of these episodes as well if you'd like to experience this conversation visually. I always welcome your feedback and I hope today's dialogue sparked your own insights. Here's to fostering those healthy brains both in the boardroom and beyond.